Hi, I'm Andy Murray. Welcome to It's a Customer's World podcast. Now more than ever, retailers and brands are accelerating their quest to be more customer-centric. But to be truly customer-centric, it requires both a shift in mindset and ways of working, not just in marketing, but in all parts of the organization. In this podcast series, I'll be talking with practitioners, thought leaders, and scholars to hear their thoughts on what it takes to be a leader in today's customer-centric world. I'd like to welcome everyone today's episode of It's a Customer's World. Today is the kickoff of a new series of episodes where we will be taking a look at various aspects in the space of what we're calling connected commerce. We'll be visiting with industry experts, thought leaders, and academics on topics such as retail media networks, the digital shelf, omnichannel marketing, and technology. Our goal with this series is to help connect the dots in this emerging space of retailers, brands, and service providers. Our aim is to help advance the industry on this journey to be more customer-centric. I'm really excited about this first episode as we'll be discussing a new white paper just released on retail media networks published by the University of Arkansas's Walton College of Business. Today, I'm with four faculty members that lead the research and who are going to help unpack the white paper and tell us some of those key insights. Welcome guys to the show. I'd like to start with having each of you introduce yourselves, starting with Mr. Brent Williams. Andy, well, thank you for having us on. We're looking forward to sharing about the white paper. Uh, my name is Brent Williams. I'm one of the associate deans in the Walton College of Business and uh, have been a professor of supply chain management here for about 12 years and been at a couple of other universities prior. I'm Molly Rapert. I'm in my 32nd year as a faculty member in the Department of Marketing at the Walton College, and I also serve as the director of our Center for Teaching Effectiveness. Thanks for having us today, Andy. My name is Stephanie Thomas. Uh, I'm a supply chain management professor in Walton College. This is my sixth year. Uh, while I teach supply chain management, I'm kind of a marketing supply chain hybrid, which is one of the things that kind of led me into this research uh, before coming to Walton and the University of Arkansas. I was a professor at Texas Tech University. Hi, everyone. My name is Rod Thomas. I'm a recovering retailer and I'm currently a professor in the Walton College. So I run our undergraduate program in supply chain management, but at my very core, I'm a retailer. So I love uh, talking about all these kinds of things. What a fantastic crew to be working on this project. Uh, tell us, Brent, uh, why Walton College of Business took on the task of studying retail media networks. Yeah, well, Andy, probably first and foremost, it's a remarkably interesting area. Uh, connected commerce in general uh, is uh, certainly an area where we're all learning a great deal, and that includes academics, but it certainly also includes brands, retailers, and service providers as well. Um, but then maybe more specifically to the Walton College, uh, we've got to focus on retail and um, have for many years. We are fortunate to be in an area uh, where we have access to experts in the area of, of retail, uh, consumer products, marketing. Uh, so it really was just a natural fit for us. And, you know, as a, as a, as a leading college of business, this is one of the things that uh, that we want to be known for is known for uh, connected commerce. And we want our students to be coming to the marketplace with this type of knowledge. Excellent. 
Well, the white paper really is uh, based on a qualitative research approach. Why was it important to start this project in, in that way versus a written survey? Yeah, well, Andy, as you know, and probably most of uh, your listeners know, uh, retail media networks are, you know, while not brand new, are certainly emerging and it's changing fast and the landscape is changing quickly. You know, so to have just maybe go gone and done and tried to do an empirical study based on data, I don't know would have been rich and informative at, at this point. Uh, so really when you study an emergent topic, uh, we think it's best to go talk to experts that are doing and know. And, and we really saw our role uh, as, as talking to as many experts as we could. And then the value that we're able to bring is what were the themes that we were hearing? Uh, and try to bring those to bear in a coherent way that hopefully helps the industry um, move forward. So in that process, you feel like you got to a point where you uh, had talked to enough people that you had a fix on what was being said. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think we all felt comfortable that as we interviewed experts with various, I would say, with, well, certainly with various backgrounds and, and in terms of uh, variety in their current engagement with retail media networks and the, the lens and the angle that they're coming from, uh, you know, is what we do as we're going through this process is we're interviewing, we're listening, we're discussing with one another. And, uh, you know, and we're starting to ask ourselves, all right, are we hearing new things being said as you continue to interview people? Uh, if so, you really, you keep going, you keep trying to get uh, new interviews. But as we really got into deeper and deeper into the interviews, you know, we felt like we were starting to hear the same themes and that the uh, those themes really emerged uh, from the from the interviews, and we really felt like, well, certainly there's probably some perspectives that are not covered in here, and we fully would admit that. You know, we do feel like uh, we started hearing strong themes emerge, and felt like we were uh, able to help articulate those themes. Excellent. So, how did you then organize the themes that you were hearing into the white paper? Yeah, you know, so um, that's kind of an art in itself, I think. But, you know, as, as this team started to work together on this project, and we've worked together in other ways in, in the past, uh, so that made it a little bit easy. And, you know, we've all got our own areas of expertise as well. So that helped. But basically, you know, it became obvious to us, well, well, you know, um, when, you know, when innovation is happening, and innovation is certainly happening in retail media networks, you know, um, you can think about it as, well, what's the promise of that innovation? What can it do? Uh, and what can it help? Uh, how does it help the different stakeholders? And you'll see uh, if you, you know, if you read the paper, you'll see that we, we looked within stakeholders at like, First and foremost, the consumer, uh, and but also retailers and brands, and uh, how can this uh, drive outcomes that help all of those parties? Uh, so we looked at it from what's the promise of this innovation, and anytime innovation is happening, uh, that's usually a pretty messy process. Uh, so where are we at today in that process was the next stage that we looked at, and then finally. 
we were able to look at, well, what's the promise of the innovation? Where are we at today? And what are some things as a path forward that the industry might want to take away from this and really work together on and collaborate on to help drive this forward so that the consumer wins, the brands win, and the retailers win. Excellent. Well, I understand, Molly, you took the first part of defining the promise of retail media networks. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you found? I'd love to, Andy. Um, before I do that, I'd like to really set the foundation by defining a retail media network, because you wouldn't think that this would be a challenge, but it was actually one of the first challenges that we faced as we drilled deep into the literature as we had these conversations with industry experts, it became very apparent that everyone has their own perspective and a slightly different view of it. So in the end, um, what we have converged on is that it's an advertising model that provides opportunities to market products to consumers through retailers online and offline platforms using enhanced first-party data and closed-loop reporting. Now that's 27 words. There's a lot of effort to get to that 27 words. And I think talking about that really explains the job that we had to tackle. Um, there was one point where an interviewer was talking and I just pictured an armada of ships, like this whole group of ships moving towards a horizon, this thing we call retail media networks, but every ship is different. Some ships are submarines and high tech and others are little John boats and, you know, the mom and pop retail media networks. And we had retailers, consumers, brands, techs, aggregators, third parties, agencies. We're all moving towards those 27 words, but in very different ways. And so I think that was really our first challenge that we faced um, pivoting to the promise, though. I think that's where we saw our first glimmer of cohesion, that mm. every person we talked to embedded somewhere in their discussion was an agreement on the promise of retail media networks. So it was a really fun part of the white paper to work on. And I hope our readers will jump in and read the details. Well, that's encouraging that you found as you interviewed this, this many different people that the overall uh, perspective about the future is positive and they see it as a a movement toward uh, something that's important to the consumer. Uh, I want to come back really quickly to this definition piece and talk about the importance of it uh, because it was difficult, as it sounds, to mm -hmm. pull together a common definition. Just from your perspective, being involved in industry change, what's the implication of not having uh, a consistent sense of, of the definition of what we're talking about? You know, I think that in some settings, you can muddle through and still work towards optimization. But I don't think that in this example of retail media networks that we have that luxury. We have too many different players with varying ranges of technology and capabilities and agendas. And I think that we have a velocity that we just simply haven't seen before. The way we have moved so quickly in this area we have to get a common definition so that we can start really building out the best practices, the capabilities, the resources that are needed, the collaboration between partners. If we can't agree on what that agree on what the horizon looks like, then we are not moving our ships in the right direction. Wow, that's good. Well said. Uh, in that in that 
definition, as you uh, laid it out, you talked about a couple of key things, first party data and closed loop reporting. Uh, how did those things uh, come about in the description of being important to brands and retailers? Right. They came up in every interview, whether it was discussed as a promise or as my colleagues will talk about in terms of gaps and things that need to be addressed. So that's definitely a key piece. But I want to, if it's okay, mm -hmm. backtrack first and sort of set our eyes on the consumer, because I believe that every interview we had said that these things cannot be optimized unless we keep the consumer as our true north. So I loved the phrasing of that. And we saw it repeatedly in interviews. Um, one interviewee said, and I love this language, consumers want an on-demand, personalized, targeted in a way that doesn't feel creepy message that feels like it was just designed for me, Molly Rapert, talking just to me, Molly. And I think that sums up so much of the promise for all parties with the consumer anchored clearly as our target on the horizon. So everything that you mentioned feeds into that, the closed loop reporting, the benchmarking, the deep connections with the consumers, making this a frictionless experience. And we jump into each of these conversations in detail in the paper. So I think from the consumer's uh, perspective, three themes that emerge were removing friction from the experience, having deeper, more meaningful, targeted conversations all along this very convoluted path to purchase. And interestingly, using the halo effect of a retailer's trust, how you believe in a retailer, and you're already there in that moment and using that to really facilitate and move the purchase along because you're hearing the message in a space where you already feel comfortable. So those were really the things that jumped out to us from the consumer's point of view. Um, the items that you mentioned are the way that we get to those outcomes that are- And, and you found in the interviews that uh, the, those you interviewed, a pretty common expectation of that consumer promise uh, articulated pretty much that way. I think- um, Expectation is the perfect word. I think that if this is an investment that re, uh, brands are going to make, the expectation is that we will reach those outcomes, that we will create more meaningful, compelling messages that are personalized, but not creepy. They're stopping short of being too invasive. And we're able to use the closed loop reporting that you mentioned to monitor what was effective, make small changes as the consumer moves through their path to purchase so that we can truly see what is working. Okay, well, thank you, Molly, for that. That's a really clear and very compelling uh, definition of, of the promise of where this could go. And Stephanie, you've heard the promise. You were obviously going through the interviews hearing it real time, but given what Molly described as the promise and the potential, what did you find? I understand you had the task of summing up the, the, the themes behind the reality. Well, Andy, this was an interesting part, I felt, of the research of, so Molly kind of presented this, this hope and this idea, and there, there's all this positive potential out there. And then when we get to the reality, 
it's a little bit different. So I would say a good word to use is there is a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty about what, what is this potential? Can we achieve this potential? How are we want, going to get there? And within that uncertainty, you know, Molly was talking about all the ships going towards the horizon. We had a, a you know, one of the executives we talked to that called it the Wild West, that everybody, everybody may not be going to the same horizon. Everybody may be going a lot of different ways. And then there is that feeling when you go back to the ship example that Molly used of a lot of people feeling like they're struggling to keep up with whoever does have the submarine with the highest technology that's kind of in the the lead of everybody else's you know how do I get there with my little rowboat and it um is creating this very interesting space and from a research perspective it's fascinating because a lot of times you don't get in on the front end of something you you look at it later so to be kind of in the middle of this time period when there's this huge trajectory and growth in this area was extremely interesting within that uncertainty one of the things that people I came across time and again are very uncertain about is what does success mean? How are we defining success? What, how do we know this retail media thing is, is working as a retailer or as a brand or even as a consumer? Within that lack of understanding around success, there's this idea that we talk about the consumer and absolutely the consumer should be the focus and really should be the purpose and the, and the true north of this. But at this point, they're kind of like out there that we don't really know with it. Most consumers are really not necessarily aware of retail media networks, or if they are aware, um, they, as Molly said, you don't want to be creeped out about having messages that are way too tailored or not, um, so they're too customized, or that they're not as customized as the promise might be, that the focus and what the reaction is from the consumers is still something that we, we don't know yet. And time will tell. And just like we started out this research with, with qualitative, at some point in time, you go to focus groups and you talk to consumers and you get their feedback. And I'm sure many organizations are, are doing that as part of, as they're moving forward to see what the consumer experience is. Um, another thing that is, is kind of came out that I thought was interesting and makes this a, a unique space is there is a level of tension amongst the players. And you are putting a retailer that has had a traditional relationship with a lot of the brands, whereas the brand supplying a product or service to, to the retailer. And then now through retail media networks, that brand is a customer of the retailer through their retail media network. So that has changed that dynamic in that relationship. And that change is changing the brand to the retailer, but also within a brand and within a retailer, there's different organizations and different different departments in both of those organizations that may be involved in this now that previously might not have been a huge part. And what is the role? What is everyone's role? And you know who's taking the lead? You know, we people mentioned like joint business plans and, and stuff of is this a part of, of that? You know, where does the funding come from? How does it how does it work? So there's a lot of uncertainty of of kind of Who's the captain? Uh, who's responsible? How does this move from what are we going to put on a shelf to now I'm your customer and what are you providing for me in terms of my use of this, this network? So there's a whole lot of uh, uncertainty, but there is a lot of enthusiasm that 
we can get there. We can get to the promise. One area that did get touched on that is um, a lot of people are struggling with is the fact that we do have this new area of retail media networks. We need new talent that has the capabilities to make sure that we're using this technology to its fullest, whether it's at a brand or a retailer or an agency or, or anyone, or even making sure consumers know how to use it. And so where is this talent for this, this new thing? And, and that's, a, that's a big concern of how do we get the right people in place to make sure that we can make the most um, out of this? And so that, that kind of gives the start on, on it, Andy. And I was going to say a lot of uh, suppliers I've talked to um, are really trying to pedal fast in upskilling and education. Did you hear that as a, as a current state for the c companies you interviewed? Oh, absolutely. It's the, we're trying to get people up to speed and train them, but this is also at the same time, companies are struggling just with talent across the board in, in, in any type of, of role and getting people in, in the middle of the great resignation and, and all these other factors are going in. So that makes any resource that you have even more precious. And so you've got to try to maximize what you've already got because this, you know, um, Shangri-La of, of people out here who know all about retail media networks that you can hire to make things great just doesn't, doesn't exist right now. Mm. The problem is in some cases, the we may not know exactly how to train people because as, as Molly mentioned, you know, there's lots of different uh, in retailers of all shapes and sizes with all different types of capabilities getting into this space, but yet they're not all acting the same. And so we did hear in some of our conversations that especially on the brand side, there is a hope that one day there is a convergence on some um, standardized measurements and, and, and ways to do things because this, this Wild West atmosphere is, is difficult. And if you're a brand, um, how many retail media networks can you actually manage that relationship? That's a whole new kind of side of the way you've been doing business with these retailers. And, you know, at, at some point in time, you may not be able to do that with everybody. And then what is the outcome of making that decision not to support uh, you know, a retailer in this endeavor, if you if you walk away from it, because you don't have the bandwidth to, to do it right with everyone. And that's fascinating. You know, a lot of the literature that's out there today on retail media networks uh, do a good job of probably capturing the benefits of having that promise in reality, uh, or as it comes to reality, but I haven't seen much that describes the the depth of the dive internal to organizations in the, um, the how to overcome some of the unknowns and the significant change that's required inside of companies. Uh, nothing to the extent that I've read in the white paper that you guys uncovered. Um, it seems like that creates a bit of a trust issue for what you read. And it's so important. You talked about trust in the white paper. Uh, talk about some of the implications of that and unpack what you mean by trust. So I think you can look at trust in a, in a variety of, of different ways. So, you know, when Molly was talking about consumers having a trust with, with a retailer. So, you, you know, do I trust that if you're gathering my data and using it, are you going to use it in a way that is impactful? You know, there's brands that have concerns of maybe they sell a product for, for children and they do not want their products advertised maybe next to alcohol. So if they're partnering with retailers, do they trust that the retailers 
retail media network is set up in a way that is consistent with their values and, and what they want their products to, to stand for. Um, there's a trust of if my relationship has changed and I'm in this weird transition of, you know, as a retailer, I'm, how do I deal with somebody that was a supplier and now they're a customer? Um, what decisions do I make that are, you know, good for, for everyone? Uh, you know, there's a, um, we did hear some people kind of talk about, you know, uh, should every company be doing their own thing? You know, or or should this kind of pull back and maybe there's kind of like a you know a, a consistent platform that everybody kind of uses and tailors off of one you know entity, which is a, a little far out there from where uh, we are. But there there's these ideas of there may be different ways to do it than we are now. We have to trust that where we are now, we're trying to get to the right way, but we may not be there quite yet. And there is this kind of idea for uh, you know I, I feel like the brands said this a lot of kind of like a leap of faith. That they're putting their faith into the retailers that they're partnering with them on their retail media networks that they are doing this for consumers that it's going to drive and build their relationship that it's going to give the consumer a better experience so then hopefully for the retailers and the brands you know that that builds the brand that builds the loyalty that builds the trust with the consumers but Andy, building on that, when you're talking about the trust, one of the things that also came out is the companies, the retailers in particular, that are taking a more strategic approach to their thinking about retail media networks right now seem to be the ones that the brands are having a more positive experience with, or they feel more comfortable that um, the investment is going to pay off. And whereas some of them, I, I think one of our um, uh, interviewers, I talk, interviewees talked about, you know, kind of like using a scalpel versus a, a blunt instrument, the companies that are being more precise and in, in treating it kind of like with surgical procedure, a surgical procedure precision are being more successful. And the brands that are partnering with them are feeling better about how this whole relationship is playing out and what the consumers are getting out of it is better than if you're just taking a hammer and just hitting it at anything and everything that comes up. That's that's really helpful. Um, you know, the Walton College has been involved in several big industry-wide retail uh, change initiatives such as RFID. Um, and in this particular case with the white paper, you, you chose to include the reality of the gap and talk about that. Um, and as I said, a lot of literature doesn't that's published today doesn't really get into that. It's it's pretty much glosses over any real challenge. Why is it important to look at the reality? with a clear lens and try to, to see what's happening and, and talk about that. This is a terrible like quote, but misery loves company. And right now this is the messy middle. And, and so I think for, as people are going through this to realize, hey, I'm not alone, that, that the struggles that my company or the relationship that I'm having, whether it's with an agency or the retailer or the brands, like we're all kind of, dealing with the similar similar things and similar issues. It may be different degrees, maybe a little different in the context, but there is this idea of that's how we got to this point in this paper is there are some similarities across the board. So it isn't just one person that is saying these things. It's multiple people are coming to the table and saying, um, hey, we have a lot of these problems. And one of the things I wanted to say that was really so cool about this project is the executives that we talked to, and yes, we're calling them experts because they're experts as much as we can be in a new um, space here. They were so open and willing to discuss with us. And so 
vulnerable and they trusted us, us to take care of the information that they shared. And um, I, I've been involved in other qualitative studies and it, it is difficult to get people sometimes to be really open about things that can be uh, sensitive and competitive and, and those types of information. And I felt like our experts really got into the, this is a space that we need to know more about. And we can only know more about it if I share and if other people share. Outstanding. What does lay the groundwork for collaboration and going forward of how to you know work together to create um, that promise and make the promise a reality faster. Uh, which, speaking of that, uh, Rod, you had on the challenge of framing where does this go from here in the future? Um, you've heard the reality and you've heard the promise. Uh, how did you then frame up the, the takeaways for the future? You hit it on the head. In order for this to work, there's got to be collaboration among all these key stakeholders. There's got to be the, the consumers, the true north, but then all these individual players have to come together and figure out how to work together. And what we heard time and time again, it is the Wild West. There's all these different models and approaches out there. But there were some key things that I think everybody could rally around if we're truly going to have collaboratively develop these solutions. The first one, Stephanie touched on this, it's unique that the buyer-supplier relationship, the retailer and the brands, flips in this world. And that requires a different orientation. When your whole career, you've been a buyer and leveraging your power and um, negotiating tough, tough stances and things like that, you, you, you can assert your will. In this space, the brands are now the customer, right? So you got to kind of flip, flip your hat around and kind of go, okay, we got to serve these customers. We can't just tell them they have to do this. So we can't just mandate that they have, they're part of this. We have to treat them like we do our customers in the stores or online and give them value. Um, at the end of the day, the retail media networks that are gonna be most successful are the ones that are most customer oriented to the brands and suppliers and ultimately the consumers. We heard time and time again, in order for this to work, it has to make sense for the consumers, it has to make sense for the brands and everything else will flow from there. So you start all the way down at the very end of that supply chain with the consumer and work your way back. If it's not working for them, th this model is not gonna work long-term. So that customer orientation came through loud and clear. And I think that's something that everybody can rally around and realize the roles change here, but they have to. Um, the second one, and again, Stephanie alluded to this, is what type of capabilities and metrics do we need? There aren't standards in this space. Um, when we would ask people, what's your wish list? Take away all resource constraints, time. It, what would the perfect retail media analyst look like? And it was tough to describe, right? If the retailers gave you all of their first party data, how would you use it? And what would you need to do that? There weren't a lot of answers there. And I think the flip side is if the retailers aren't gonna give that away freely, how are they gonna analyze that and give you these customized solutions that make sense to Molly's point, give you just what you need as a consumer without creeping you out and walk that tight line. So there's technical capabilities there. There's analytical capabilities. What is that gonna look like? And, you know, from a measurement standpoint, what, is, what are we driving towards to see if this works? Ultimately, it's got to make sense for the consumer, but is it going to be a return on ad spend? Is it going to be an incremental ROI? How are we going to define that? There are not industry standards there. There's not that true north, that goal that Molly was talking about going over the horizon towards. We, we need to get that down. Um, 
the third piece that I would throw out is how you want to approach this. If you are a customer of retail media networks, the brands, the suppliers, the retailers, I think you have one of two choices. You can say the ROI isn't quite there yet for me, right? I want to know for every dollar I invest, I want three, four, five X back. And if you can't guarantee me that, I don't want to play. What we heard, there's a lot of people kind of doing, they're treating retail media networks as this is evolving, this is new. I'm going to treat it as an R&D investment. And the flip side of that is when, you, when you're in part of that R&D investment, when you're helping fund that learning curve, you get to shape it. You, you get that first party mover advantage of being on the ground floor of building this from, from nothing into this multi-billion dollar industry. Um, so everybody's going to have to get their arms around that. Do you want to invest in this? Do you want to help fund the learning curve? Or do you want to just wait and be a late adopter and, and realize the trade-offs that come with that? And then the fourth thing that we heard over and over again is the need for integration um, on both the retailer side and the supplier side. For the retailer, we heard examples of we wish the merchants and the retail media network people can coordinate their efforts. If we're doing a promotion in the store, can we coordinate that with what we're doing online? For the suppliers within the brands, we heard, you know, we got this upper funnel function and this lower funnel function. How do we get the true marketing brand awareness people to work together with the commercial folks? Because retail media networks are agnostic to where we are on the funnel. So there was this need for how do we integrate our organizations, both on the retail side and on the brand side, of how do we leverage our individual capabilities come together to create synergies and make this more powerful and a more compelling offering for everybody, especially the consumers. So those things, I think we could all rally around that will facilitate collaboration if everybody comes together and moves forward in that direction. Well said. Well, both you and Steph have spent careers in supply chain logistics, which is a complete ecosystem of collaboration across multiple stakeholders. Uh, what could you possibly maybe apply from that set of learnings and experiences to this retail media network, especially if you were in charge of building collaboration? What does collaboration look like? You know, how could we learn from other game-changing industry things like RFID, perhaps, to figure out how to do collaboration better in a retail media network challenge area? Go back even further. When point of sale first came out, um, one of the key concepts in supply chains is information is valuable. It flows throughout a supply chain and it will become more valuable the more you share it. If you hoard it, it's not gonna be as powerful. So when POS first came out, suppliers didn't have access to that. And it took a couple of years. And then we realized, hey, if we share that information, guess what? We're gonna be in stock better, prices will go down, consumers are gonna be happier and everybody wins. So it really comes down to, do you have this high sharing or pie growing mentality. If you think the benefits pie is fixed and you hoard information, you're probably gonna have a fixed pie. If you leverage information, you can grow the pie. Everybody can reap those benefits and, and, and work together to achieve those collaborative goals. So the use of information is very powerful. The flow of information is very powerful. The RFID stuff, it, it took the idea of point of sale and made it even more focused, right? I, it wasn't just what I relied on a scan gun. Now I have a radio control frequency telling me where things are in a supply chain. And again, it improved service, it reduced costs, it ultimately drove customer value. 
And I think you can see the same thing here if we leverage information and collaborate and work together to do it. Outstanding. Well, that sounds like a better future for me. Um, and I like the idea of the collaboration and, and how we can learn from other industry change to do that in this space as well. Um, but that'd be my characterization. Brent, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, uh, you work through all of the different interviews as well. How do you characterize where the industry is today from what you heard? Well, I, I, th I think my viewpoint is not that different than what, what I've heard from my colleagues and, and from you. Andy, is that uh, there is uh, an appetite for collaboration in this area um, that, you know, again, this is innovation, you know, and, and I think it excited the folks that we were talking to. Um, I think that, you know, we, we know uh, that we know that the world of connected commerce is moving really, really fast and innovation is happening really, really fast. And, and um, I felt like the, the viewpoint that I heard was, well, the, the best way to, to deal with that and take advantage of that is to, to work uh, both internally and externally through collaborative ways and means. And, and I hope that we um, at the Walton College and this team in particular, hope that we get to be a part of that in some way. I don't know exactly what that will be, uh, but certainly uh, we hope that this white paper is a first step in that direction. Uh, and uh, we hope that it's just the first of a great deal of learning that's going to occur. And, uh, you know, all, all four of us are trained researchers. And, and so I think that we never think of a white paper or a piece of research as final. Um, it's, and in particularly, this particular white paper is really early stage. Uh, and so we look forward to evolving with the industry and learning together. I learned so much uh, just by participating in this. Well, it sounded like you got quite a bit of open doors for industry engagement and support. I think so, you know, and I think that hopefully uh, those that might be listening um, that, that we haven't engaged with and you're interested in engaging would love to engage with you in some way. Um, you know, we're we're really fortunate. You know, one of the things that, I love about our college of business is how connected we are to business. And um, I think it's, I think it's a key part of our value proposition. And, and if you, if you're around the Walton college of business very long, in my opinion, uh, you're going to see that that's going to benefit the students uh, that, that are graduating from the Walton college. I think they're going to get the best of both worlds. I think they're going to get great faculty members like Molly, Rod, and Stephanie, who've had practical experiences that are now in the classroom, and they're going to get a great experience working with an Andy Murray uh, in the classroom that's an industry veteran. And wow, theory and practice together, in my opinion, is pretty powerful. And then I hope you see it here in research. You know, when you think about our vision as the Walton College of Business, we kind of boil it down to two things, Andy. You know, we say we want to be a thought leader. And, and this is a piece of thought leadership that's really collaborative with industry. And we wanna be a catalyst for transforming lives and that those lives are usually really our students. So uh, we're fortunate to have the engagement of so many uh, experts, executives that we've spoke of. You know, I, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention a couple of people though specifically that helped us really early on. And that's uh, Simon Miles and Elaine Coventry uh, from Coca-Cola. 
And, you know, and, and so much of this, particularly for us as researchers, when we were really trying to form the questions that we were going to ask, we really needed someone to bounce that off of and to talk to that had some deep expertise in the area that's engaged in the area. And, and Simon and, and uh, Elaine really supported us uh, through having those conversations and engagement. And, and I've got to thank you, Andy. Uh, you did the same thing. You provided a great deal of expertise. Um, you have learned a ton about retail media in, in probably in the last year, and you continue to educate me. Um, and I want to thank you for what you're doing in the customer-centric leadership initiative at the Walton College. The mission of that of this initiative to our listeners that may not know, it's quite simple, but it's pretty powerful. And that is, we want the students at the Walton College to understand the power of customer centricity and to walk out into their careers, thinking about the customer at the center. And, you know, Molly, that goes back to what you said, the customer being the true north of uh, where retail media networks are really going to pay off. So uh, appreciate all the engagement and uh, looking forward to being a part of this in the future. Oh, thanks, Brent, for your comments and kind words. And I, I want to say that this team, I've watched uh, work on this project from the very beginning uh, and struggle through all the you know approach, questions, thinking, and deep, deep dives on a number of conversations. And it was just a real uh, treat to see an academic approach to a challenge, which I think in industry, we don't always uh, do it that way. We kind of go for the quick answer and start trying stuff and then, you know, get ourselves in a mess and, and start over. <laughs> and uh, I've really learned a lot from the academic model of taking a tough subject and working it through in a very thoughtful way uh, that in a very different way than perhaps industry solves problems. And so I think to our listeners that are struggling with how do I do this for my company? Um, you know, there's some real value in learning from an academic model and expertise because it really creates another lens to see the world and see a problem in a new way uh, and break it down in a way they may not be doing in their current in their current environment. So again, thanks to the whole team. You guys are lovely to work with. I can't wait to hear what's next as we go through uh, the future episodes of It's a Customer's World podcast and focus on retail media networks. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to know more about the Retail Media Network White Paper, please go to the Customer Centric Leadership Initiative page on the Walton College of Business and download for free, or you can hit the link in the notes below. That's it for this episode of It's a Customer's World. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends, and I'd be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's a Customer's World podcast is a product of the University of Arkansas's Customer-Centric Leadership Initiative and a Walton College original production.